Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Amen. Verse 42, Matthew 21, 42, Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Verse 44, Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Amen. And I want to preach on the subject, fall on the rock. Fall on the rock. This morning I want to talk about something that if we will get a hold of, amen. I'm not saying we don't have it, but I'm just saying if this, uh, if this understanding of what I'm going to talk about, if we will just walk in this attitude. We heard about gratitude this morning, amen, and that's beautiful, it's powerful, amen. And I want to talk about another principle, amen, that I believe that when we really get a hold of this, praise God, we will have a closeness to God. We, amen, will, amen, see God move on our behalf half uh, like in great ways when we really are are grounded in this principle amen and you know i think about moses who was referred to in the bible as the meekest man on earth and meekness is very closely related to humility Amen. And Moses, uh, what did meekness get him? It got him an audience with the Almighty on the mountaintop a couple of times. Praise God. It got him where he asked God. He said, God, I've heard your voice and I've felt your presence, but God, I want to see you. And he said, man, you can't really see all of me because it'll kill you. You can't do it, but I'll let you see. I'll let you see more of me than most people have ever seen. And he put him in the cleft of the rock and he passed by his presence. And he let him see a glimpse, a better glimpse than anyone else at that time. But it was a glimpse. And, and, and when Moses saw the Lord and Moses came down after 40 days and 40 nights on the mountaintop, praise God, his face shone like a bright light bulb. His hair became prematurely gray because he was in the presence of God. And it was all because he had got a hold of humility and meekness. Humility is one of the greatest attributes we can possess because God is attracted to it and drawn to it. Humility moves God on our behalf like few other things will. On the other hand, exalting oneself and lifting oneself up will have the opposite effect on God. Amen. Because the Bible said, God resisteth the proud. Amen. But he gives grace to the humble. Amen. God resists the proud. And we need to resist 
pride. Amen. If we are hungry for God, and I'm looking at hungry people, if we really want to see God in 2020 do greater things, amen, and, and let Him see our dreams and our visions and our goals accomplished, we have to resist pride. Amen. Because God, God resists the proud, but He is attracted to the humble. Amen. A Pharisee and a publican, and a publican was like a tax collector. Like it was, he, he wasn't really looked upon as a popular person. But a Pharisee and a publican went in the hour of prayer to the temple, the Bible said. And they both prayed on different areas of the temple. Amen. The Pharisee, amen, lifted himself up in the presence of God and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like that publican over there. And, 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 uh, and I, I do all this stuff. I, I give tithes of all I possess. And, and I pray and fast uh, all the time. And I do this and I do that. And the publican is over there. Amen. Just awed and thankful to be in the house of God and the presence of God. Beating his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen. And the Pharisee thought he probably had a great prayer and God was just his best buddy when he left that day. But the Bible said in Luke 18, 14, amen. When Jesus said to, he told that story, he said, which one of those guys went away from that place justified in the sight of God? Amen. And Luke 18, 14, he said, I tell you, this man, the publican, he went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We should never exalt ourselves. Amen. Especially when it comes to the things of God. Spiritual pride is one of the worst kinds of pride. Amen. For like Jessica said, it's by the grace of God. He said, it's by the grace of God. Amen. And no matter what God uses us, and I'll tell you, I'm telling you why we need to get a hold of this. Because if we want to be greatly used by God, we need to be greatly humble before God. Because we might be lifted up and say, look, my hand did something. Amen. Or my mouth did something. Oh, no. I'm just a vessel. Amen. Hey, I hope I'm a vessel of honor, meat, and, and, and suitable for the master's use. My hand never healed nobody. My voice never saved anybody. Amen. But God uses my hand and uses my voice. But I got to always remember to keep my place. And say, God, you are the lifted up one. Nobody should be lifting themselves up. Amen. This is how we get into trouble. We're not in good company when we are full of pride. It not only identifies us with the very first sin ever committed, but also, amen, with the one who committed it. Did you know the very first sin? Amen. That was ever committed was not committed by a human being. It was committed by an angel. Amen. And that sin was pride. And that pride festered in his heart and led him, amen, to concoct a scheme, amen, of rebellion to try to overthrow Almighty God. Of course, it was a futile attempt. 
How can the creature overthrow the creator? How do you even think that? Pride, amen, clouds your judgment. Pride doesn't make you think straight, praise God. Amen. And this once great and beautiful archangel fell because pride took him down. Pride was just what led him to all these other things. Amen. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 14, verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And the worst eye of all, I will be like the most high. Ooh, that was a bad one. Pride has the opposite effect on the person that's full of it. You see, pride desires to be up there. Pride desires to be seen. Pride desires to get all the credit. But it gives you the opposite effect because whoever shall exalt himself, you're going to be humbled. Amen. So instead of being lifted up, Satan didn't get what he wanted. He was fall. He, he would fell and he was cut down to the ground. You see, pride uses the word I a lot. Look who I am. Look what I did. I'm better than everyone else. Amen. But Satan tempted Eve. He used pride as one of the temptations to get her eat of the forbidden fruit. When he told her in Genesis 3, 5, For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods. Ooh, knowing good and evil. And Eve said, ooh, I like that. It's pride. I'm going to be like God. See, he couldn't do it. He got thrown out. So he says, well, this looks like God's new program and God's new, new people and stuff. Let me see if uh, I can get them, amen, to rebel against God like I did. Amen. Then the next verse, Genesis 3, 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Notice it said, it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. Pride. That's not the wisdom we want. We want the wisdom of God. Amen. Apostle John echoed this sentiment when he said, Amen. That pride was one of the three greatest downfalls identified, amen, as part of the spirit of the world for the human race. 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. You see, the pride of life, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, See, Satan, he, he, he did it in the Garden of Eden, and John said he's doing it in the whole world. Amen. And then we see that someday when the Antichrist, which is basically going to be the devil incarnate pretty much, amen, kind of a copycat of God in human form, it's going to be Satan overtaking a human being to be the Antichrist, the beast that we read about in Revelation 
Well, it mentioned it's in 2 Thessalonians verse, chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, a day coming in the future for us, shall not come except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin shall be revealed the son of perdition, talking about the Antichrist, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that's called God or that's worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This guy doesn't give up. This angel doesn't, didn't learn his lesson. He's going to start. He started off like that, trying to get the human race like that. And, they, and he does mess up a lot of people like that. Amen. And he's going to do his great finale like that. And he's going to be squashed again in the book of Revelation. Because he thinks he's God. He wants to take over still. You see, the biggest problem with pride is it doesn't see its need of God. Pride blinds people into thinking they can handle everything themselves. Pride deceives us into believing we don't need anybody or anything. Some people are too proud to admit they're wrong. Some people are too proud to ask for help. Some people are too proud to wholly trust and depend on God. Amen. I'll tell you, it will not end well people that allow pride to be the dominant and driving force in their life. It's not going to end well. Isaiah 2.11 said, The lofty looks of a man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Isaiah 5.15, The mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. Isaiah 10.33, The high ones of stature shall be hewn down, and the haughty shall be humbled. And then this one, a famous one that we all, many of us have heard, Proverbs 16.18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Amen. That's enough about exalting and all that business. Let's talk about humility. Let's get to the good stuff. Hey, man, what is true humility? It's not being shy, quiet, passive, reserved. Hey, Amen. I've seen some devils on roller skates that were. And you turn around, it's like, you know, it's like, oh. Hey, Amen. Talk about transformation in no time. It's not thinking poorly of yourself either. It's not putting yourself down or beating yourself up. Yeah, I'm no good. Just want to show you guys I'm humble. No, that's not it. And it's not false humility either. Because false humility is pride in disguise. Amen. If you have to tell people how humble you are, you're not truly humble. That's false humility. Because you're showing off. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, do it in secret before God. And he that seeth in secret, he will reward you. Amen. Because pride wants to get the credit. Want to get the credit. If I'm going to be giving some big cash to the church... I needed to be on the billboard on the freeway right here next to the church. The five right there, you know. No. Amen. Give it and forget it. Pray it and forget it. Fast it and forget it. Amen. Praise God. True humility is not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. 
True humility puts God and others before itself. That's what the true meaning of joy is. Jesus, others, and yourself. And our job is to humble ourselves, and it's God's uh, choice when and where and how He lifts us up. Amen. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, as I always mentioned, already mentioned, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You see, to be effective, our humility must be directed toward God. I'm not, that's like, you know, you know some people say, you know, uh, this, this positive mental attitude and, and uh, you know, these books about, you know, positive mental attitude and everything, some of them are just having faith in faith, like faith in yourself only. Amen. But we can't have just faith in faith. Our faith needs to be in God. Amen. Amen. That's where I'm going to be happy. That's where I'm going to be, be fulfilled because my faith's in God. And say my humility can't be in other things. It's got to be in the mighty hand of God. Hallelujah. Humble yourselves in the sight of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Amen. Where can we look in the Bible for a great example of this principle? We need look no further than Jesus Christ himself. Philippians 2, 6, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he didn't come down here and say, hey, I'm God. And, and riding high and mighty, he came humble. His birth showed us he was humble. Amen. That he had to borrow everything in his life showed us he was humble. He borrowed a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. He borrowed an upper room for the Last Supper. He had to borrow a tomb after his death to be buried in. Doesn't sound like pride to me. And he always, he never exalted his humanity, even though he was God, a mixture of God and man that we can hardly understand how God, the Spirit of God was the Father and Mary was the mother. And, and that man was no, no, there's no human being ever going to be like him ever before and ever again. Amen. But he always said, Lord, if I exalt myself, amen. If I give myself glory, it's nothing. I always exalt the Father. He always. He always deferred to the Spirit of God. Amen. So he did not count equality to be a thing that was grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Philippians 2.8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Amen. And became obedient to the death, unto death, even the death of the cross. Notice those three words, he humbled himself. We have to humble ourselves. He gave us the greatest example. Amen. The humbling needs to start with us. Praise God. Our text verse said in the second verse we read, Matthew 21, 44, Whosoever shall fall on this stone. And what was this stone? This stone was the stone that the builders rejected. It was Jesus Christ. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken. Whomsoever it'll fall, it'll grind them to powder. So that stone is Jesus. Psalms 18, 2. The Lord is my rock. 
1 Corinthians 10, 4. And they did eat and drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Matthew 16, 18, And I say also unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, talking about who he was, the revelation of one God in Christ, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus Christ is the rock. He's the stone that the builder rejected. He's the chief cornerstone. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken. Whoever falls on the Lord will be broken. Whoever humbles himself will be broken. Amen. But whoever doesn't want to humble himself, eventually that, that stone's going to fall on them and grind them to powder. I don't know about you, but when I look at the two alternatives there, I don't like plan B. I don't like the latter. I don't want to be walking down in life, big old stone fall on me, and I, I get up and I'm just a little pile of powder. Because I didn't on my own. I didn't voluntarily, amen, know how awesome he was, and I, I fell on the stone myself. Because that sounds like a very painful experience. We are commanded to humble ourselves, but if we decide not to obey, amen, then God will humble us. That's where the stone falling on us comes. Folks, I've been humbled by God in my life. I'd rather humble myself. Amen. As much as people struggle with pride and humbling themselves, believe me, it's the far better alternative than God humbling you. Amen. So what I'm trying to say, I guess, is we need to fall on the rock before the rock falls on us. I'm not trying to scare you and say, oh, my goodness, you know, pastors are saying there's going to be a rock like following me, ready to smash me. No, I'm just saying this is what the thing is. Amen. This is, this is our life. Amen. The pride of life is the spirit of the world or we walk with God and we do our best to humble ourselves. Amen. Amen. It is far better to willingly and voluntarily fall on the rock. Someone might say, yeah, but if we do that, we'll be broken. That's what it says. Amen. But folks, that's true. But Bible brokenness is really a good thing. Amen. Because, you know, like it's like when you have, what do they do when they want to, at landscaping, when they want to put a new sod, new sod in into a yard or a new landscaping, they come in with a rototiller and they bust up. They break up the fallow ground. They break up that hard ground because they know that if they don't do that and they just lay, they just roll out those rolls of sod, amen, of the, whatever grass you want, that's not going to take hold. Those roots cannot get through that hard, tur- uh, that hard dirt down there. It's going to be like the shallow ground in the Bible story of the four types of ground. And it's only going to shoot up for a little bit. And then it's not going to make it. Praise God. That's why the, the, when we are broken, amen, we, give, uh, we, give, we have openings for God to get in there and there and there. It's not like the Word of God just bouncing off, amen, like Death Valley soil and nothing's going to grow there. Amen. That's why some people, they hear that the same people come, hear the same message in churches all over the land, amen, and some will be changed forever. And others go, eh, I don't know. Let's go eat. Whatever. 
Why are you wasting your time? Amen. Before you come to church, rototiller the ground. Amen. Before you come, humble yourself. Come in this place humble. Come in this place ready. Come in this place broken. Amen. Brokenness in the Bible is another way of saying humility and contrition. There are definitely many benefits. Amen. There are many benefits that come along with a heart that's been broken as a result of coming in contact with a rock, Jesus Christ. Psalms 34, 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as a be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51, 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. You're going to come to that heart. You're going to rescue that heart. You're going to help that heart. You're going to do things for that heart that you won't do for other hearts. You say, you say, well, does God play favorites? Not the way you think. Amen. He acts upon what is brought before him. If we do our part. Amen. And remember, your humbling comes from us and it comes first, then God. Amen. The brokenness comes first, then God. So... It's not unfairness, and it's not favorites with God. It's people that are broken, people that are fully yielded, people that are wanting to walk with God. They're going to reap the benefits. Let me just talk a minute about how God responds to true humility, no matter who it comes from. Amen. And these three examples are not with anybody that has a good heart. Just to show you, I want to show you the power of humility itself. Not humility from a righteous heart. Not humility from someone that's walking with God and doing everything right as much as they can. Amen. I want to show you the power of humility first from people that in the Bible that were evil people. Ahab, king of Israel. He was during the time of Elijah the prophet. 1 Kings 21, 25. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, who were the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words. What words? Because he was so wicked and Finally, he did something that just added, and God said, that's enough for you, buddy. Set your house in order. You're out. He wanted this vineyard that was right near the palace, but it was owned by a guy named Naboth. And he went and said, hey, I want to buy your vineyard. And then he said, it's not for sale. And then Ahab was pouting in the palace, sucking his thumb, and his wife Jezebel said, why are you sucking your thumb? Well, because I want that, that vineyard, and he won't sell it to me. He said, get, she said, get your thumb out of your mouth. You're the king. Go tell somebody to kill that guy, and then you'll just take over. That's what kings do. Sure enough, he did that. And, and God told Elijah, you go tell him that's it for him. You're out. Set your house in order. Amen. Amen. So... When Ahab heard those words from Elijah, he rent, he tore his clothes, he put sackcloth upon his flesh, he fasted, he lay in sackcloth, he went softly. This is an evil man. 
but he heard the word of the Lord and he responded with humility. And the Bible said, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, seest thou how Ahab humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Folks, that's the power of humility. Coming from a devil in human form, practically. This guy and his wife, they did more terrible things in Israel than most any kings. But I'm telling you, when the word of the Lord comes, and if you'll respond to the word the right way. Amen. God said, God gave him the rest of his life that he wouldn't be punished. That, is a, that blows my mind. The power. He fell on the rock before the rock was going to fall on him. Hezekiah was a good king, but when he died, I don't have no idea how a fantastic king could be followed by the worst king ever. But Hezekiah, when he breathed his last breath and his son Manasseh was, was you, know, uh, you know, coronated the king or whatever, he was terrible. Manasseh did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen. He built altars for the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of God. He caused his own children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments. He used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirit and wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol with which he made in the house of God. This guy was bad. And because Manasseh did all these things, God said, that's it. You're out, buddy. And he allowed the Assyrians to come. And the king, whose name was Sennacherib, to come and take him captive. And he took him captive and humiliated him. And he took him to Babylon. And he was there for a while. And the Bible said in 2 Chronicles 33, verse 12. And this is talking about Manasseh. When he was in affliction... He besought the Lord his God. He humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. I'm telling you folks, there's a power in humility. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And the last... Example I want to give is not of a person, but of a city. The city of Nineveh. Did you know that Nineveh was, in my studies, Nineveh was the largest city in the world for a period of 50 years, back about six or 700 B.C.? 50 years. They were the largest single city. And they, they, those big cities were almost kingdom. They had a king. Amen. It was a very wicked city. It was a city that the Bible, amen, and, and history says was likened unto Sodom and Gomorrah with what they did. They would kill prophets and put their heads on poles on either side of the road leading up to the gates. No wonder Jonah was a little reluctant to go preach to them the first time. But after a three, three day and three night, all pay, expenses paid, uh, vacation, amen, in the belly of the well, Jonah went to preach. And the Bible said, Jonah 3, 4, Jonah began to enter into the city. 
And, and by the way, this city was so big, it took three days to walk across it. If you did nothing but walking from sunup to sundown, three days from the entering of one side to get to the other, that's how big that city was. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. He cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Folks, that was only eight words sermon. And I know you've never heard an eight word sermon from me. Amen. I have a, you know, quite a few eight times, you know, whatever. But that was only an eight-word sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That shows the power of preaching. Amen. And the people, the Bible said, Jonah 3.5, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. The king of Nineveh made a decree that nobody should eat anything. No man, woman, boy, girl, even babies, even all the animals. That, that everybody owned. Nobody was going to eat. Amen. And that they should cry mightily unto God and turn from their evil ways and violence. And the king said this in Jonah 3 verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented or changed his mind of the evil that he had said he would do unto them and he did it not. And not only was Nineveh saved from being overthrown at that time, but it will not be until 150 years later that Nineveh was destroyed. That's the power of humility. Now folks, I gave you three examples of wicked people and wicked cities. They weren't, they weren't people of Jehovah. They weren't people of the name. They weren't people, amen, of Abraham. And yet, when they truly humble themselves, God gave them space, forgave them, and gave them some, some time to get it right. Amen. These stories show us the power of true humility when it's directed toward God. And my question today is, how much more Will he respond even greater to his children who humble themselves and cry unto him day and night? How much more that those that believe in Jesus Christ, those that have been baptized and filled with the Spirit, those that are trying to walk with him every day, amen, how much more we will continue to humble ourselves before him and be broken and contrite, amen, and give him all the glory. How much more will he open doors for us and use us greatly? And we'll have a greater life than we could ever imagine. And we'll be vessels used by God. How much more? So I'm encouraging all of us, let's fall on the rock. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible said no man can pluck us from his hand. So let's get in his hands. Let's fall on the rock. Let's stay in his name. Let's stay covered by his blood. Let's stay standing on his word. Let's stay full of the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel like an awe in this place right now. I just feel like a like a, like a a hush of the spirit right now. I just feel like, amen, after the wonderful worship service we had earlier, amen, that God, we're just marinating in the 
beautiful presence of God. We're just, we're just feeling His presence as we all humble ourselves, as we all get a hold of what we just heard. Amen. Amen. God will come to us wherever we are, not just in the building, amen, but at our homes, at our jobs, at our schools, everywhere we find ourselves. We can humble ourselves. We can give Him all the glory. And He will be there. I mean, right now, He'll be there. Praise God. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. And may God bless you.